0: Well, howdy, y'all. Um, and I'm so honored to be with you this morning, and it's been a privilege to be able to share uh, so far in the earlier service. And uh, this morning when we had our pre-service meeting, I sat next to Robert Moncrief, and he said, you're not used to this kind of weather in Texas, are you? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, as Texans, we are really proud folk, and as I uh, went to scrape the ice off my car, I was not wearing gloves, and I terribly regret that decision, but um, I want you to know that uh, as uh, my wife and I were planning on heading here, one of the prayers that we had was, we were like, God, we're leaving our family in Texas, our friends in Texas, and God, we want to establish a new family as we head to Nebraska, and that's been absolutely the case. We have wonderful, amazing friends, and just this short seven months where God has truly blessed our family with a, a new family. And so we're honored to be here. And I also want to share a special thanks to Adrian uh, as a friend, as a pastor, as a mentor. He has been uh, amazing in coaching me to be a pastor and uh, mentored me to be a better man. And, um, and trust me, he's already done the performance reviews, so I don't get any bonus points from this. But uh, we are honored as a church to have him lead and uh, shepherd us. So Um, Yeah, so we are going through a series called God's Story, Our Story, and today we're going to look at how each and every single one of us individually have been gifted to play a bigger part in the church as a whole, and we'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll see how God is using us individually to be a part of the church as a whole and what he is doing to use us. And so uh, we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 4. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 4, and it should be on the screens. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we read your word together, as uh, we open up our hearts and minds to what you have to share with us, God, I pray that we see each and every single one of our individual gifts and abilities that you've given us, as purposeful for the greater purpose of the church. God, I pray that we apply the words that we hear this morning and we place them on our hearts and we utilize these words to be difference makers in your kingdom. Father, I pray that I don't share my own personal opinions or ideas, but God, I share as a mouthpiece what you have to share for us as a church. And uh, thank you so much for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever tried something new and just completely and utterly failed? I mean, you're like, I'm going to try something new. For example, you're like, I I enjoy tennis. So you you go buy a tennis racket and you and your, your partner are swinging, hitting the ball back and forth. And every time you go to swing, you just skyrocket over the fence. Or maybe you're like, let's try skiing. And the moment you put on those skis and you get off the ski lift, you just fall down and roll down the mountain. Well, I have utterly failed in something new. As a youth pastor, I see that there are a lot of youth pastors who uh, play guitar. And so here I am, a youth intern, and I'm like, maybe I can play the guitar. I can lead worship and benefit the church in this way. And so I approach the youth worship leader and say, teach me how to play guitar. But here's something you need to understand. I have absolutely no rhythm and no beat. I can't do two things at once. So we already have a problem here. And so she shows me G, C, D, all those chords, and I try to memorize them. So I'm, you know, like trying to memorize where my fingers go. It's kind of like typing, I suppose. And so I think, oh, I can type, maybe I can play the guitar. Well, as I learn the chords, I come back a couple of days later, and I say, Lindsay, um, I run into a problem. I can play the chords, kind of like that, but um, I have no rhythm. I can't clap and sing at the same time. I'm either clapping in church for Jesus or I'm singing for Jesus, but I can't do both. I said, is that a problem for me? And uh, she goes, yes, that is a problem. I said, do you think I could ever play guitar and lead worship? And she goes, "Uh, probably not. And so I learned real quickly that I am not a gifted musician. Do we have any musicians in the house? You know, it looks like y'all are gloating there in the, the rows, but um, I had two options there. I could have said, you know what, God, why do I not have any rhythm? Why can I clap and sing at the same time? These simple tasks. Or I could say, God, I have no musical abilities, so what do you have for me to do? And so later I realized that God has gifted me in other areas that have nothing to do with art or music, and so... Um, as I've explored these gifts and realized what God has designed me for to help benefit his church, I've been able to grow and learn what, what God has specifically designed me for. And as we read here from Peter, we see that God has actually uniquely gifted and designed every single one of us to play a, bit of, a bigger role in the church. He hasn't gifted us each with all the gifts. Individually, we make a greater picture of the church. And so... Uh, don't be upset if you also can't play guitar. Um, but we're going we're to see here, the, the word that Peter uses to describe our unique um, individual uh, purposes is a living stone. And as we look at verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And what we see here is every Christian person is a living stone. So what do you think of When you think of this term, living stone, I want you to picture a building, maybe the Capitol building. The Capitol building in Washington, D.C. makes up individual stones, and each stone plays a greater picture in the composition of the building as a whole. And if we were to focus in on a unique stone in the Capitol building, we'll see that it's been sanded, it's been molded, it's been chipped away at, and it provides a specific purpose for the composition of the building as a whole. And it gives testament that there is a craftsman who has uniquely chipped away and crafted each stone that makes up that building. And just like that stone is uniquely crafted and chipped away and sanded, we too, like stones, are uniquely crafted and sanded and molded by the great craftsman God. And so there are three ways in which God crafts us and molds us to make us useful for the kingdom the first is through suffering we have many folks in here who have been through major terrible suffering and it's been hard and you have experienced disease or cancer or loss in your family and as you've gone through those times it has not been easy but those times as James says they strengthen us and they give us perseverance and these are the folks that when you meet them, when you have conversations with them, they have this like unspeakable joy. When you're talking with this person, there's something about them that this joy has nothing to do with their circumstances, but it has everything to do with what they've been through. And they see that God is faithful through the pain, through the trials, through the circumstances. Those are the kind of people you want to lean on when times get tough. Also, God uses discipline and correction to shape and mold us as Christians. You see, as, as Christians, we can get distracted and pursue things that are not of God. We can say, oh, maybe this will bring me satisfaction. And so we, we tarry off. Scripture says God disciplines those whom he loves. Because God loves us and he's a good father, he won't allow us to run away from him too long because he loves us just like a good father would. He disciplines us and he says, no, here's what I've designed for you to do. And so he uses discipline. He uses correction to mold us into the living stones that he has designed for us to be. And then also he's uniquely gifted us. Uh, There are folks in here who are wonderful teachers. There are people in here who God has gifted them with the ability to build and to make and to create There's also people in here who give great wise counsel. They're humble people, and they can give good wise counsel. I don't know what your gifting is, but God has uniquely shaped us and crafted us and molded us through suffering, through discipline and correction, and also through our unique giftings and abilities. So each scar, each chip that we see on a stone tells a story and also the same is for us when we look at people each scar that we have whether it be from suffering or the discipline and correction of the Lord how he says how he takes you back and and gets you focused on the path that he's created for you each one of those things in our lives tells a story and I think that the world needs genuine authentic stories of scars of, of bad decisions of when we strayed off the path or when we went through terrible times of pain and suffering. The world needs to hear authentic stories of how we've been through that and how God has sustained us and satisfied us through that. When we begin doing that, when we testify to the greater purpose that God has for us, people will start to see that maybe there is something different about this Jesus. Peter also says, These stones are being built into a spiritual house. Each stone plays a unique role in building God's house. Only the great craftsman, God, could take useless stones lying in a field, shape them, craft them, mold them, and build something beautiful. God is using each and every single one of us as living stones to build an amazing, beautiful house. And this beautiful house is giving a testament to the world about what God is doing through us he has decided to use us. And he has made us purposeful as living stones. And this house that he's building, it, it has two purposes. The first purpose that this house has is to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. So as a, as a house, as a church that God is building using living stones, our response to the gospel, because the gospel is freely given to us, our response to the gospel is to bring praise, honor, adoration to Jesus because he chose us while we were yet sinners. He, he picked us as, living, as uh, dead stones and he has chose to use us for his purposes. And so our response is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you so much for dying for me. And so we are a house, just as we sang those songs previously and say, God, thank you so much. You have no equal. We, we, we sing those praises we bring honor to the name of Jesus, not just simply in church, but also in our lives. We are a house that uh, brings praise and honor to the name of Jesus. And there's another purpose that we have. We, as a spiritual house that God is building, are to bring redemption and salvation to the ends of the earth. We are an active house that is bringing redemption to the world. God has empowered each and every single one of you with gifts, with stories, with stories, with abilities and he wants to release you to go and be a difference maker in your spheres of influence your job your workplace your school your family your friends your your relatives god has entrusted you with uh, this gospel message to bring redemption to the world so why bother with the church why bother with the church this house that we have here, we need your story. We need you to show your scars. We need your gifts. We need your abilities. Because when we together say, I am going to uh, use my gifts for the greater purpose of the church, we can impact Kearney and the world in such a powerful way. We need your stories. We need your scars. This house is also made up of a diverse people. We don't all come from the same socioeconomic class. We don't all come from the same backgrounds. Some of y'all are from Texas, like me, which is an amazing state. Um, (laughs) Nebraska's great too, though. Uh, But because we're a diverse house, here's what's so cool about Corny E-Free. We truly believe that every person matters. And because we say that, we believe that every person, every living stone can play a contribution to the greater story of redemption that we're bringing to the world, every single one of us. And it reminds me of a story that my friend shared with me. My friend spent uh, 10 years in prison, and before uh, he became a Christian, he did some terrible things, and he spent 10 years in prison. And he made note of something quite unique. He said, while in prison, for the majority of people, white people spent time with white people, Hispanics hung out with Hispanics and African Americans hung out with African Americans but there is one unique difference about the people in this prison the Christians, no matter their color spent time together the Christians hung out together and isn't that a cool story of how Jesus takes us, saves us and the thing that brings us together is not the exterior of what we look like but it's what Jesus has done in our hearts and That story is of imperfect people that God is building a house in a prison, a spiritual house in a prison, made of imperfect people. And we understand that every single one of us here is imperfect. But we also believe that every person matters. Carney Efree is a collection of stones that God is using to bring redemption to the world. So my question is, will you go all in with carn-e free, this spiritual house? Maybe you have some internal doubts. You say, man, I have messed up too much, Aaron. There is no way that I could be of benefit to this church. Or you say, man, I am new to the faith. I barely know any verses in the Bible. I've barely read the Bible. How could I possibly be used? Here's what I want you to understand, that those doubts that you have, That's the evil one wanting you to stay on the sidelines. He wants you to continue to think that you have nothing to offer or continue to think that you are too far gone. You're too much of a sinner to be a part of this church. Or maybe you have external factors. Work is just overwhelming and the only time you have a break is on Sundays. And so you just want to relax. Or maybe your kids play uh, baseball 12 days a week where you have practice and practice, and games that you travel on the weekends, and I totally get it. Maybe um, you feel like you don't know anybody here, and so there are external factors, and here's what the evil one wants you to think. Man, you're too busy. You, you don't have enough time to go all in. My encouragement to you is to say, you know what, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to forget these internal factors, these external factors, and I'm going to go all in on what Jesus is doing. And so here's a, here's a challenge for you. Maybe you're the last one here and the first one to leave. Right as soon as we say amen, you hop in your car and you head out. My encouragement is, is why don't you try to be a part of a life group? Why don't you be known in community and say, you know what? I may not know a, whole, a lot of people here at Carney Free, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in on a life group. And here's what's so amazing about Life Group. You know, we moved here seven months ago, and we basically found out right when we moved here that we're going to have a baby. So we move all across the United States, and uh, then we're like, oh, we're having a baby too, by the way. Um, And so we did a gender reveal party, and I guess uh, uh, our Life Group got to talking, and, uh, you know, we're thinking it's just going to be a few of us hanging out, and all of a sudden we show up. Uh, here at the church, and we did it out by the fire pit, and there's like 35 people there who are all going to celebrate our gender reveal. We're like, we're not that big a deal, but thank you so much for being here. And isn't that cool? That's just a testament to what life groups are all about. It's doing life together. We revealed the, uh, our baby's gender together, and it was just exciting for us to celebrate together. It's not that anybody, one particular person in our group is special, but it's that we love each other and we want to support each other together. So, Will you embrace your role as a living stone essential to E Free? We need you, each and every single one of you. We need your gifts. We need your abilities. We need your stories. Will you embrace your role as a living stone at E Free? And just to illustrate this idea of living stones and of a spiritual house, I'd like for everybody to stand up. And as you stand up, yeah, get a little stretch out. Um, as you stand up, I want you to look around. Each person that you're looking at, this is the church. It's not the building that we're in that's protecting us from the 40-mile-an-hour winds and the snow right now. It's actually the people here. We are the living stones. So if we were to exit our seats and head out to the parking lot, we would say that the church has left the building. This building is not who does the work of the church. It's us. It's us. We are the ones who do the work of the church. Grab a seat. So yes, every person in here is a living stone. Yes, we are the church. Yes, we are the spiritual house that God is using to bring redemption to Carney. In verse 5, we see in the second part of verse 5, Peter says, To be a holy priesthood, we see here Jesus' death makes all disciples priests. When Jesus went to the cross willingly, the the weight of the sin of the world was placed upon his shoulders. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on the cross. And this is important because the perfect Son of God bore our sin, every single one of us. And there is, in the most holy place, the temple at that time, there was a veil, which is a thick woven curtain that separated God's people from the presence of God that was in the most holy place. And there was only one person who could enter through the, the veil and go before God on behalf of his people, and that was the high priest. When Jesus died, putting the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders, that veil was torn from top to bottom. And here's what it tells us. It tells us through Jesus' death, through his sacrifice, no longer does a high priest need to go before God on our behalf. We now as Christians all have access. We are all priests because of what Jesus has done. What does that mean for us? That means that when we go before God in prayer, he dwells with us, each and every single one of us, because we're all high priests now. We are all priests. We each can go before God in prayer, asking him for the things that we need, asking him for our family members that are struggling, praying for those that don't know Jesus. We have that ability, and it's an amazing thing that we can utilize at any moment of any day. We can go before God in prayer. But also, we have now... Been called to be messengers of the good news of what Jesus did on the cross. We are all missionaries. Not only are we priests, but we're missionaries, being, sharing the message of what Jesus did on the cross. So we play a part, each and every single one of us play a part, whether it be at your workplace or your school or within your family. We are messengers of the gospel. Sometimes we can rely on the, the building or the pastors and staff here. We have amazing staff here at Corny Free who love Carney, and they do an amazing job. But what if we, each and every single one of us, as living stones, playing a part in this greater picture of a spiritual house that God is using to bring redemption to the world? What if each and every single one of us took it upon ourselves to be priests in prayer? What if we took it upon ourselves to be messengers of the good news of what Jesus has done and we say, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to share this good message of the good news of Jesus with those that I come in contact with. Wouldn't amazing things happen? Verse 5. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, pleasing to God. As living stones, we are not passive but we are actively offering spiritual sacrifices to God. So we're actively pursuing God in prayer. We're actively pursuing others with the good news of Jesus. But we are disciplining our bodies and our minds. We're disciplining our bodies because we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood that poured out on that cross was the currency that paid for our souls. That's the currency that bought us. And so because Jesus bought us, with his blood on the cross everything about us our bodies we discipline our bodies as offerings to Jesus we discipline our minds here's here's another powerful thing about that veil image so the spirit of God left the most holy place and where did it go? it went into a new temple which is our bodies every single one of us when we become Christians the spirit of God comes inside of our hearts isn't that powerful? And so we discipline our bodies because it's a temple of God. We discipline our minds and we hold every thought captive. Even our minds are no longer our own. And so we discipline our thoughts in thinking, God, I want my thoughts and my mind to be disciplined in the fact of I want to see what you see, God. I want to think the thoughts that you think so that I can be used for uh, your purposes. Also, we sacrifice our time Our time's not our own anymore. And so we think of ways in which we can use our time to reach others. We also sacrifice our energy, our passions, our resources, and our money. Because we know that even those are owned and purchased by God. And many of you have done amazing things. We see that um, last Sunday, uh, almost a million dollars was given to further the reach of the spiritual house that God's building. We see uh, just last year that 360 children in Magange are being supported by us. And there are hundreds of stories of the great work that the living stones in this room have put forth in making a difference in Kearney. So we sacrifice our resources. We've been bought with a great price And our lives are no longer our own. Let's look at verse 6. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Here's my question. Is Jesus your precious cornerstone? Is Jesus your precious cornerstone? Archbishop William Temple said this, Your religion is what you do with your solitude. Here's what he means by that. When you've got your checklist marked off, you've got all your uh, shopping done, you've got all of your busy uh, work checked off that list, and you're chilling on your couch, and you're thinking, man, it's nice, and you're just relaxing. Where does your mind go? what, What is in the back of your head that you constantly think about? What he's saying is, Whatever your mind constantly goes to, that thought that cannot escape, that very well could be your religion. Let me let me uh, share it in this way. What do you dream about? You say, if I could accomplish this one thing, if I could achieve this one goal, then I'll be happy. Then I'll serve the Lord. If I could just achieve that one thing, that very well could be your cornerstone. What is precious to you? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your health or your finances or your success at work. Oftentimes we think of negative things as idols. We think of negative things as um, the things that are causing us to struggle. But what's interesting is we sometimes make good things the most ultimate thing in our life. And more often than not, it's not the the bad things like drugs or alcoholism or those bad things that we think about. It's actually good things that we make the most ultimate thing in our life. And we think, if I could just achieve this good thing, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be satisfied. The trouble is, when we place our hope and our trust in these good things that God has given us, they will always leave us dissatisfied. We there are many people who have achieved great success. And what we see over and over again is the story of people achieving great success and then saying, is this it? Is this all there is? They achieve the best. They make the most money. They are the most successful artist or the the best business leader in their field. And they're like, is this it? And what we see here is those who choose Jesus as their precious cornerstone who rely on Jesus as the sole provider of their satisfaction, they will never be put to shame. They will be satisfied. So think of it like this. Maybe you're writing your life story, and you're the lead character. And as you're living your life, you're making your choices. You're going where you want to go. But then you come in contact with Jesus, and he says, do you want to follow me? And you have a choice. Do you erase your name as a lead character in your life story and put the name of Jesus as a lead character in your life story, where you say, I am no longer writing my story anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he goes, and he becomes a lead character. I've been able to share uh, the gospel with a few college students this week, and what has been uh, the image that I've been able to use over and over again, it just seems to be fitting for this time, is the image of baptism. And then on, on Sunday, we were able to baptize 10 folks. And so, as we were sitting here in the service last Sunday night, we had the, the tank up here. And uh, the pastor is with the person. They say, I baptize you, my brother, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they take that person and they, they bury him in the water. And that's a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. And so we bury that person in the water, and then the water rushes over them. That's a picture of the blood of Jesus covering all of our sins, past, present, and future. So just as Jesus died, we also die to our old self. And then we rise the person up. The Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. And that same Holy Spirit raises us from the dead. So we lift the person up and we say rise to walk in the newness of life. We are no longer the people we once were when we come to meet Jesus. That old person that we, who we used to be is dead and gone. But that new person is now to follow Jesus and make him the cornerstone of their life. It's, a, it's not just simply an intellectual decision that we make to follow Jesus. It is a spiritual decision. And so my question for you is, Is Jesus your precious cornerstone? Have you died to who you once were? And have you made Jesus the lead character in your life story? We have a few folks in this room. There there are probably two folks in this room. There are those who say, man, I have not made Jesus the cornerstone of my life. I've been building my life off of other things. My challenge for you is, will you make Jesus your cornerstone? Will you say, No matter what it is, no matter where he leads, that's where I'm going to go. And then also there's folks in here who are Christians. They have made Jesus their cornerstone, but they've been distracted. They've been busy. And they haven't been living out their role as a living stone for the purpose of redemption of the world. And God's saying, now's the time. And it's time for you to say, you know what? I'm all in. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And I want you to think through those implications who are you where do you stand in the role of the church what decision is God leading you to and so as the band when the band makes their way up here we're going to sing a song and I want you to think through what God is calling you to do maybe he's calling you to say I'm I'm all in or maybe he's calling you to say it's time to be born again and become a Christian so I'm going to pray and I want you to think through what God is calling you to do and uh, will you bow with me Father God, as we have been made into living stones, being built into a spiritual house, Father, I pray that you show us the gifts, the abilities that you've given us, that you show us the way in which you're shaping us and molding us to be used for your glory. God, I pray for the folks in here who have been distracted. God, that they just say it's time. It's time to be a messenger It's time to be a part of this spiritual house. God, I also pray for those that say it's time to to be born again. It's time for me to become a Christian. And maybe it's time for them to be baptized. God, as we sing, I pray that we can hear from you as the decision that we need to make. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.